first one. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 21 once again. Page 15 in the Blue Pew Bible, Genesis 21, end of the chapter. This is God's holy word, Genesis 21, verses 22 to 34. Hear it with faith. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore swear to me here by God, that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity, but as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. When Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water, that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? He said, These seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand, that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore that place was called Beersheba, because there both of them swore an oath, so they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. Amen. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Well, Hagar and Ishmael are gone now. They're out of the picture. But life is going on in uh, Abraham's camp. And... The Lord is with him. The Lord is blessing him. The Lord continues to provide peace and safety for his family. And uh, he's still settled in this land, controlled by this king, Canaanite king, Abimelech. And tonight we see this 
second encounter between them here in Genesis 21. It's a very different encounter from the first one. Uh, you remember Abraham deceived Abimelech, <clears throat> and he brought God's curse upon Abimelech's household. Uh, so that, uh, that first encounter didn't go very well at all. Uh, Abraham had lied and uh, caused a lot of trouble. But despite that, uh, somehow, by God's grace, uh, Abraham appears to have, uh, uh, I guess shall we say, made a positive impression on Abimelech. Uh, Abimelech has a favorable uh, attitude towards him. He comes to him here to make a treaty with him. He wants to, to, to make a treaty with Abraham to ensure good relations going forward. It's kind of a curious thing. You might wonder why would this king, who was probably very powerful uh, in that land, why would he care to make a treaty with Abraham? Well, he tells us. He recognized that God's blessing and favor rested on Abraham. So, in his mind, this was just a smart decision to make. Abimelech knew the Lord was with Abraham, and he doesn't want to end up fighting against God. He wants uh, to have an alliance with God's man, Abraham. And so he says to him, God is with you in all that you do, so <coughs> excuse me. swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me or my descendants. Now, Abraham had dealt falsely with this man, Abimelech. Again, he flat out deceived him and, and uh, caused lots of trouble. Uh, literally, a curse was uh, flowing through this man's family. Uh, but Abimelech wasn't holding it against Abraham here. Uh, he wants to forget the bad thing that happened in the past. He wants to move forward, and he wants to have, again, good relationship with Abraham in the future. That was, it was clearly shown to him that God was with Abraham. So you know, it really only makes perfect sense that he would want to uh, keep uh, a good, healthy, close relationship with Abraham. And uh, it makes sense because there surely could have been conflict in the future. Uh, Abraham was... Um, a man who had many possessions, lots of people with him, livestock, and that's only increasing. He's growing and growing. God is blessing him, and that is going to mean his needs are going to increase. He's going to need lots of land, lots of water for his people and uh, livestock, and that was already the case, uh, as we see as the passage unfolds, the, the need for water was already being felt. But Abraham just kept growing and being blessed by God, and so Abimelech sees this and wants to make sure that he has peace with Abraham. Isn't that good to see how this man, 
this pagan, really. Um, we have no reason to think he's anything else other than a, a pagan in terms of his, uh, his spirituality. He's a, he's a pagan Canaanite, and yet he recognizes the hand of God on this man. That's pretty neat. He's saying, I know God is with you. I can see it. Abraham was called a friend of God, and, and uh, he could see it in his life. And he didn't want to be an enemy of the friend of God. So he's asking to have um, a covenant made between them. He wants to have a covenant loyalty between them. And that's the same kind of thing that Jonathan asked David for when he knew that David would be king. Jonathan, at a certain point, realized that his dad's days were numbered. Saul was not going to be king for very long. And so Jonathan came to David. He knew that God was with David. He knew that David was the man who would be on the throne soon, and he wanted to have a good relationship with David, relationship of peace and loyalty. That's the sort of thing that Abimelech seems to want with Abraham. Again, we're not told if Abimelech was any kind of believer in the Lord, the true God. Uh, we're not told anything to indicate that he had a saving knowledge of God. <clears throat> but he just knew what he had seen. He knew that God uh, was with Abraham and in a real and powerful way, in a way that he and his family felt very keenly not long ago. And another example would be the Gibeonites. Think of the Gibeonites. Remember, they uh, could see the writing on the wall when the Israelites uh, were coming into the land. And they knew that they needed to make some kind of an alliance with Israel uh, or die. And of course, they did that by deception. <clears throat> but that was very shrewd of them. They perceived their need, and they did it. In a similar way, Abimelech is, is trying, to, uh, trying to align himself with God's people here in the person of Abraham. He's trying to come under, in a sense, the Lord's protection and blessing through a covenant with Abraham. <laughs> we now come under the care and protection of God, and we do that through a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the only way that a person can have that kind of safe peaceful relationship with God. That's the only way that you can enjoy his blessing and have shelter from his wrath. You need to align yourself with God's man. Only that man is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He 
is God. He is the only Savior, and he is the one who bore God's curse so that you will never have to. We need to come to Christ, and we need to ask him to be our friend, to make us his friends. Lord, receive me into your covenant. Let me dwell in peace with you forever. Maybe we see a little foretaste of that here in the way this man wants to unite himself to Abraham. We need to unite ourselves, though, to the one that Abraham prefigures here, the Lord Jesus. And we either have to come to him humbly like that now while there's still time, or we will meet him at the end, at the judgment. Revelation tells us that he will come to tread the winepress of the fury of God's wrath upon his enemies. And his garments will be soaked in the blood of his enemies enemies to avenge the blood of his people. There will be no hope for God's enemies on that day. But for his friends, there will be sure hope. There will be grace and glory. There will be a place in his kingdom. If we align ourselves with him now, And we do that by faith, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ to save us. Another question this chapter uh, raises, you know, this man saw uh, evidence of a relationship with God in Abraham's life. It's good for us to think about that. What about our lives? Do our lives show forth Uh, a relationship with the eternal God. Has anyone ever remarked that they noticed something different about you? You don't live the way everyone else does. Maybe there's a peace about you. Maybe there's um, a calm about you in the storms of life. People live in fear in this world. Uh, Maybe more than ever these days, with everything topsy-turvy, everything seems to be upside down. Maybe they notice that you aren't upside down. Maybe they notice that you maintain a, a calm and a quiet trust in the Lord, even in all of this craziness. Maybe they notice that you respond to trials in your life with patience with grace, trusting God, relying on his help. These are things that people will notice uh, in our lives. And they may sense that God is with us. And that's a beautiful thing. It may rub some people the wrong way, actually. But that's okay, too. The Lord can work that way. But may the Lord give us all a a witness for him like that Um, in our words to the people around us and in the way we conduct ourselves and handle ourselves. And he grant that others might even be drawn to, to him through that. 
So Abimelech asked Abraham to swear um, or make this covenant. And Abraham says, I will. I will swear. But first he's got a complaint. He brings up this complaint. He, it, the text says he reproved Abimelech about this well of water. Basically says, I'm okay with making this covenant with you, but we've got we've to hammer one thing out first. We've got a problem that needs to be resolved. Apparently some of Abimelech's men had seized a well that Abraham had dug, and this is, this is very serious. Um, this is the kind of thing people fight over back in those days. Water uh, supply was crucial, and water rights were crucial, and uh, the hard work of digging this well was done, and these uh, men just basically stole it. This was a real conflict, and it seems like it happened some time past, and Abraham let it slide, probably trying to overlook it. <clears throat> but now the occasion comes, and he brings it up. This is a conflict that could have ruined that relationship. And Abraham expressed it. He expressed his concerns. And Abimelech apparently didn't know anything about her. At least he acts like he doesn't. He pleads ignorance. It seems he's sincere. His tone is... Um, sounds apologetic, and it sounds like um, he intends to take care of it. He didn't know anything about this. But obviously, he wants good relations with Abraham, and so no doubt he would take care of that matter. This is actually a really good example for us of how to handle conflicts. The person who was wronged here goes to the one who wronged him, or at least in this case, uh, he's the one in authority over those who wronged him, and he tells that person about it. And then that person takes it to heart. He hears the complaint, he hears about that wrong, and he makes it right. He apologizes, and he commits to, to making things right. And so there's a good outcome from this. Both of these men wanted their relationship to work. They wanted it to stay intact going forward. They didn't want to ruin it. So this is that good Matthew 18 example of how we should try to handle conflict. We should try to follow that example and work through things when we have such conflicts. Well, then they get on with the formalizing of this covenant, <clears throat> that little matter out of the way, Abraham gives these animals to Abimelech. <clears throat> and uh, it's, not, it's not fully spelled out here, but it seems they used the animals probably to make a covenant. They had a covenant cutting ceremony here. And they probably cut the animals in half, um, as was uh, the normal process. Uh, just like Abraham did in Genesis 15, in that covenant-making ceremony with God, you remember cutting the animals in half, and then uh, in a typical ceremony, both parties 
entering into this covenant would pass through those um, pieces of the animals. But in that particular one, Abraham's covenant with God, only God passed through. God alone went through between those pieces of the animals. He was committing himself unilaterally to keep that covenant, to keep his promises to Abraham. It's a one-sided covenant. God's saying, I will do this for you. But here we see one of the normal covenants between men. So both parties probably pass through these pieces of the animals, indicating their mutual commitment um, to, to keep this covenant with each other and to stay loyal to each other. But then Abimelech wants to know, what's with these other lambs, seven lambs that uh, Abraham had set aside? And this puzzled Abimelech, and he asked what it meant, and Abraham replied, these seven lambs you will take from my hand so that this will be a witness for me that I dug this well. So it's a gift of animals. It's kind of a goodwill gift from Abraham to Abimelech, but by accepting them, um, the meaning of it all, and Abimelech is agreeing to it, he's agreeing that this well indeed belongs to Abraham. He dug it, it is his. By accepting the animals, he's agreeing that that's the fact. And that's the end of their meeting. They concluded. They both swore oaths. Their covenant was made. And uh, then Abimelech and his men went back home. And then we see the last thing here is Abraham's response to all this. This was, a, this was all a very positive event. Abraham saw it that way. This was a, this was a very good thing. Uh, we're, we're working our way through uh, the events of what happened here in this, this meeting, and uh, point by point, but uh, it seems that Abraham reflected on it in a, in a very positive way. This was good this cutting of this covenant with this man. This was a, a great blessing. It was a sign of the Lord's continued blessing. Abraham thought so. He, he plants this tamarisk tree, and then he called upon the name of the Lord. And the tree is, is probably um, a memorial to God's faithfulness on this occasion, how God had shown himself faithful again in this uh, this meeting with Abimelech that had the potential for conflict, had the potential for um, uh, real problems. Abimelech could have caused real problems for Abraham, but God didn't allow it. Abraham knew it was the Lord. The Lord was showing his goodness again, showing himself to be with Abraham, to be faithful to Abraham. Again and again, the Lord's been doing that, and Abraham knows it. He sees it. He's thankful. And he wants to praise the Lord. And that's the real point here, is that when this is all over, Abraham worshipped. Worshipped the Lord. And the phrase used here is the same one we saw earlier in uh, it was chapters 12 and 
Maybe 13, Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. And uh, Old Testament scholars are pretty, pretty uh, well agreed that this phrase isn't just, uh, you know, private, quiet time with the Lord. This is like a public worship of the true God. This is a worship service, if you will. And it happens right there on enemy ground, right there in the land of the Canaanites, in the land of the Philistines. Abraham worships the Lord. He's not ashamed to worship the Lord. He gives thanks and praise to the Lord openly among those people who did not know the Lord. And he calls the Lord the eternal God or the everlasting God. Psalm 90, verse 2, that's a theme that pops up there in that great psalm. Verse 2 says, From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This God had no beginning, and he will have no end. And Abraham is thinking these thoughts. He's probably thinking about what that means for him. That this God is the eternal God. What does God's eternity mean for me, Abraham's thinking? Well, it means God's faithfulness and his loving kindness that he's been showing to Abraham and to his offspring so far that it will never end. God is eternal, and so is God's faithfulness to his people. And Abraham, of course, he's just experienced one more example of God showing his faithfulness here. Just one more example. But God just keeps on doing it. He just keeps on showing up for Abraham. He keeps on taking care of him, keeps on providing. As he gradually brings his promises to fulfillment in Abraham's life. And it seems like this struck him. This, the reality of this all, uh, of God's great faithfulness to him, just struck Abraham, and he just was moved to worship. And that should happen with us as well as we think on God and his wonderful attributes. It happened here. He's thinking of God's great faithfulness. He's thinking of his eternity He's seeing evidence of God being faithful to him over and over again in these, these very clear and, and tangible ways. And so he says, we've got to worship the Lord. God is so good to us. He's so faithful. We have to have a worship service. That's what he does here. I think that's a great response. And we should think about that. Is, that. is that our response to the way we see the Lord working things out in our lives? No doubt you're thinking about how God's providence 
is uh, causing things to fall out in your life? Do you recognize his faithfulness and his goodness and his providence to you? And in everything that comes your way, do you see his goodness in those things? Even in the trials, even in the things that make you cry, the things that hurt, even in your worst trials, even those things the Lord is using, he's working them all together for your good. And knowing this should cause you to want to worship him. Should cause you to reflect on the fact that he's faithful. And he's worthy of your worship, worthy of your praise, worthy of your thanksgiving. Even in your pain and your losses and worst trials. He's redeeming even the worst things, the worst evils using them to draw you closer to himself, using them to conform you to Christ. Surely these things are worthy of praise. And, you know, we live in a place not so unlike the place that Abraham lived in. He lived in a foreign land, a pagan land, a land where the true God was not known and was actively opposed by uh, most of the people there. And yet, he didn't care. He was going to worship the Lord. The Lord needs to be praised. The Lord needs to be glorified. His name must be lifted up. And you know, we, as Christians, are the ones to do that. We're called to do that. We are so blessed, just like Abraham was, but even more so. We're so blessed to be under the perfect care and protection of the eternal God. And we have that guaranteed to us through our relationship with Christ by faith. We have union with Christ. We have a a safe and secure relationship with with this God, and he is for us because we're in Christ. We have peace with him. We've been saved from his wrath. We are friends of God, friends of the eternal God forever. We have so many reasons to worship him, even far more than Abraham did. So let's do that. Never stop. And by his grace, we will never stop worshiping him. Let's pray together. Lord our God, we thank you for your word and how it strengthens us and comforts us, strengthens our faith. We pray that you'd comfort each of us who have that everlasting relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Help us to to think on your great steadfast love and your faithfulness to us, which you will always continue throughout eternity. Lord, we pray that you would give a 
uh, a holy fear to those who don't know you. We pray that you might even um, use us in the lives of the people around us, that they might see your hand of blessing upon us and be moved to want to know you and to want to seek you. And we pray that you might even use us to help them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.